Hey friends, this is Holly Bame Lytle, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism in the Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's panel of exceptional autism parents. All right, thanks for joining us for this episode of Isaac's Autism in the Wild. The topic that we're talking about today is um, parent strife. And then John did point out, he's like, what is, I just want to make sure I understand what strife means. Conflict, when you have um, two parents that may not agree on a topic or um, a, I guess, a course of action. And so we're going to talk about that because I was just mentioning to the group before we started, you know, there seems to be two issues that I hear a lot, you know, in my role at the Isaac Foundation when it comes to parent disagreeing. One is whether or not both parents agree that the child may potentially have autism. And Tanya, you kind of chuckled over that because I, you, and on a previous podcast, we've talked about this. Yes. Um, so we'll go into your story again, just in case um, people listening today haven't heard that particular podcast. The other topic that I hear a lot of um, frustration from many, many parents is um, disagreement in terms of treatment options or even like frequency. But Bonnie, you were saying, um, actually both of you guys agreed that there's um, a common theme that you guys have in your relationships with your spouses, which is discipline, which totally makes sense. Um, I probably just don't hear about that as much because, <laughs> you know, nobody comes to me and says, you know, hey, my husband and I disagree with discipline. Um, you know, some of those other too, I hear a lot about because parents are hoping that I might have some like magic um, answer in terms of how, how to get the other parent on board, which sadly I don't. Um, you know, that is just, it takes, you know, a lot of talking through. Um, and then sometimes I found that parents have gotten um, some resolution just going through counseling. But let's talk about discipline for um, to start with, and then we'll circle back around to the other two topics. You both were like smiling at each other because you guys both apparently have had issues with this particular topic. So Bonnie, you want to go? Sure. Because Jason <laughs> couldn't be here today. I know. That's yeah. probably a good thing. Yeah. Um. <laughs> this is all mine, Jason. Right? So I am Bonnie. We have six kids. Two are on the spectrum. And um, disciplining wise with uh, the boys, I am, I'm a babier. And um, that does. And that's been a message in some of our other <laughs> podcasts, even with Jason here. Right. right. So that's not a huge surprise. Yeah. So I just, my main focus for them is to give them the happiest, most wonderful life in the entire world because they got gypped. And that's how I look at it, is they really got gypped out of a lot of stuff, especially Evan being so low functioning that you know what, if there's some things that come up and whatever, then I'm just like, whatever, he has autism, screw it, he can do it if he wants, you know, <laughs> and that doesn't always go over well in public settings and or, you know, people are watching me to see what I'm going to do and, um, or how I'm going to react. No, don't get me wrong, I don't let him, like, hurt people or sure, stuff like yeah. that, but, um, you know, there's just, um, and I guess I've never really thought about it. With Evan, there's very little discipline from me at all. 
Um, and he probably. So how does Jason discipline him then? So since Jason you have a difference of opinion, right. what so does that look like? So he tries to, you know, he does timeouts and things like that, but, um, you know, tries to talk to him about it. <laughs> and you're like, uh, I, after the second word, I'm pretty sure he doesn't even know exactly what where you're coming from, but whatever. And um, and I get it, like I do get that, but um, I just think I think he really. Um, I think he he sees this he sees him as different than I do, and maybe that's because I'm his mom. I don't know. Um, and we just uh, we end up butting heads a lot. Like you know, hey, you probably shouldn't have allowed that. You know, you probably should have done something. And then that's where I'm like, mm, well, whatever. You know, I'm the mom, so I I decide, right? Right. So here's a question: When you're talking about disciplining your other children, are you guys more in line with disciplining the other five? Uh, the other four, oh, four, and yes, and it causes a big issue. Oh, okay. I do hear all the time, why do they get to do it and I don't get to do it? And Jackson does get, I will say Jackson does get some more discipline for sure because he's higher functioning. He has an sure. understanding of stuff. He can have consequences and getting things taken away. But that being said, I do give in to him if I initially take something away and I can see he's at a 10 and it's just, it's like, you know, I think that was enough for him today. Let's go ahead and give it back type of a deal where Jason's like, no, like that. And, and the kids do see that. And it does. And I guess I'm not saying it's right. I'm sure everybody listening is like, that's the worst parenting ever. But, you know, what? We, um, nobody <laughs> said that this podcast was about being perfect parents. Right. We're just sharing how we do it. Right. That does, Look, if you walk right. into my house, it is a shit show. OK, that is hey, for sure. I have but. said that many a times. I have a I have a sh I have a shirt that's dedicated to being the ringmaster of the shit show. I'll get you one, Bonnie. Yeah. I mean, that that's true. But at the same time, I also try to teach my kids that life isn't fair and it wasn't fair that they got autism. And if you know, they get a few extra chances at something or they don't get discipline the same. I mean, too bad. Like, yeah. Well, you know. I actually think that that's in some ways helpful because life isn't fair. And you're going, you know, you can't make everything equal for all kids. And I think that the more you re realistically show kids that life isn't fair and it's not going to be same, same for everybody, I think you're doing them a favor because otherwise the world is going to smack them right upside the head once reality sets in. So yeah. I'm with you. Like, you know, I tell my kids all the time, like, life's not fair. I'm mm -hmm. just trying to demonstrate this at an early age. And, so. and we have a, yeah, we definitely have a different dynamic in our house. Three of our kids we're currently adopting through foster care. So they're going to get different, um, they're going to get allowances that the other kids aren't either because they've come from a different setting. They've come from, you know, they have different emotional needs. They have different. So I feel like we understand that too. And, um, but I don't know what it is about Evan. I think it's just, as I keep seeing Jackson blossoming, I'm so happy and I just keep waiting for that with Evan. And it's just, I mean, reality is that's not going to happen. And I just want him to just, you know, Evan has cried, like real cried, every single day since he's been born. And it makes me so sad. Like I just, I just, every morning I get up, how am I going to make him happy? How am I going to make him, because he just got gypped, you yeah. know, and. This could be the day where he goes a whole day without right. crying. Right, that's yeah. what, you know, that's what I think. And so, yeah, I definitely do things. Jason comes home the other day and I'm standing in the kitchen and I'm whole Evan is a, almost 11 and he weighs about 115 pounds and I'm holding him like a baby and up and down. <laughs> And he's just happy, happy, and Jason's like, OK, 
okay, when is this part probably? And I'm like, well, it's getting pretty close to being done. You yeah. know, I can only hold so. But he's so happy. That's your workout. That's, that's yeah. You don't get to go to the gym, so that's what you yeah. do, right? And the way I look at it is, you know, his mind's like, you know, a two to four year old, depending on what it is. Are you going to hold your two or four year old? You are. So, you know, granted, it looks different for sure. And I understand to other people in their real life, like, you know, holy crap. But you know what? I just, to see him happy and to just, um, you know, and maybe having Jason to balance that out and do some of the discipline is probably a good thing because I'm clearly not good at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the fact is you actually acknowledge that, oh, yeah, yeah, it is different and I'm okay with it and this is the way yeah. I'm going to do it and I, it may not be right. I never, never said that. I think the fact that you acknowledge the fact that it's probably... You know, you're not saying it's the right way, but that's right. what, how you're choosing to do it. And I do just want to say, I what clarify, I was not saying that I'm not perfect. Oh, because, yes, right. We have to make right. sure, I Jason, make, yeah, if you're so listening that, yeah, to I this recording that. Um, later, since you're not here, just remember, Bonnie, is, your wife is perfect. Yes. So we okay. just clarified that. All right, so. good. All right, what about you, Tanya? Because this was something that you said to you and your husband disagree on discipline. So explain what that looks like. Okay, so I have a nine-year-old son with uh, autism. He is higher functioning. He's verbal and conversational. And I think sometimes that makes it hard because I think sometimes the expectations there that they should be able to handle and do more than what they sometimes can. Because even though he's conversational, he still has some very significant behavioral challenges. And where my husband and I really disagree on is my husband's a more quick to get angry than I am. And with Logan, if you raise your voice to him, it, he will escalate. You have to stay calm when he's doing something you don't like. And my husband does not quite get that he has mastered it yeah he has not mastered that and so then if my husband gets angry then logan gets angry and then he just kind of escalates from there and is a lot they slower. probably both escalate. yeah they too. both do and yeah so and whereas i if you want to get logan to calm down quicker you have to remain calm and i'm really big on i usually will problem solve with him once he's calmed down and walk through it because he is he's fairly smart and he can usually when he's far enough removed from the situation that made him upset, he can usually walk back through it and problem solve, you know, what did I do that I shouldn't have done? What should I have done instead? And we can usually talk about it. Yeah. My husband's not big into doing that. He's like, go to your room. He loses his temper. And then Logan, who has high anxiety, he just he melts down even more. And it takes a lot longer for him to recover. <laughs> and, oh, so, yeah. and so sometimes I have a habit of stepping in when my husband's disciplining and that makes him upset. Yeah. Oh gosh, I could yes. totally oh, see that. that. No, I understand you're saying yeah. that. Yeah. 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 But it's so hard because like, because um, we're all perfect mom parents yes. here. We do have one dad that's in this um, group and he hasn't talked yet and he's all staring at us <laughs> like, what are you all talking about? So we'll get to John here in a second. But that's the thing. It's like you just, you're, it's like, ooh, man, I'm watching this train wreck and it's mm -hmm. like, you're trying to keep it from totally derailing so that you can bring it back and so it's really, it's like, you know, when you know yeah. some of the tools needed to get closer to resolution, it's hard to I, I always start by like, well, Jason says I hover when like a situation <laughs> is happening and then I'm like, okay, hey, we might want to keep the voice down a little bit. Yep, that's not going to turn out good. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh -huh. and, and that's, apparently doesn't make the situation better. But I can, you know, like how you say you can foresee like, oh, yeah. oh man, this, like especially with Jackson, he's higher yeah. functioning. This is not going to go. And the writing on the wall. And well, so, you, so, like, I try to encourage. Yes. Like, and I, then don't encourage me. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing something. So, okay, well, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, well, the funny thing is then 
recently um, there was a situation where Scott was getting up more upset with Logan and I did not step in this time. And then he was like, and Logan had a complete meltdown and Scott was like, why didn't you help me? I was like, because, and I told him, I was like, because I didn't agree with how you were handling it. So I didn't that's help actually you. interesting. Cause that's actually one of the things we're going to talk about. How do you troubleshoot this? And you know what? That's an, a good option is yeah. just let this train wreck happen yes. to completion um, and then, you know, without just, you know, almost grab your purse and walk out the door be like, peace out. See y'all later. Mm -hmm. Enjoy this. Um, Jason's done that to me. And then I'll just go, well, cause I saw that one happening and I'm just, sitting I know here going, I just, I was like, you complain when I jump in and get mad at me when I jump in. But I was like, this time I let it just go out. And then of course they're not happy when you then step out. And then it's like, well, why didn't you help me? Yeah. And he was having yeah. a pretty big meltdown that night. And I was like, I just sat there and he's like, why aren't you helping me? I was like, because I don't agree with how you're doing this so then here's a question have you guys ever sat down with your husbands and like talked about this without kids without it being in the moment where you're having to decide on discipline and then kind of come to uh you know hey you know in tanya in your case you know um maybe you could try doing x y and z just mm -hmm. test it out see mm -hmm. how it works like i'm suggesting and see whether or not you have a better outcome versus the way that you're wanting to instinctively happen like have you had that conversation with him um a little bit but not as much as we probably should have gotcha okay now bonnie it sounds like you guys talk about this a little bit more so if you guys oh yeah it's a constant <laughs> conversation um well see me, uh, oh, if only me Jason was here. Yeah, <laughs> we don't tend to. We're really bad at giving in on either side, so it's like because um, well, you're both perfect, right? Uh, and that does cause a problem. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, I think it's you know, it just always goes back to the same thing is you know he's telling me I need to toughen up a bit, me telling him oh you just need to lay off a little bit, and um, I don't know. There's just there's no perfect answer because especially like how meltdowns are, as you guys know, sometimes they're way up here and then sometimes it's a little situation or sometimes like the other day, you know, Evan B slapped me across the face. I mean, that's just reality and how you react to that is, um, you know, like for you instance. You want to say what a B slap is? Oh. <laughs> so in case, you know, in case you need to mute right now, feel oh, free if you have kids yeah, in the car. I got bitch slapped across yeah. the face by my son. <laughs> and it's like, it hurts, man. Especially oh, when it, you don't see yeah. it coming. I mean, it's he's like, almost Whoa. 11. And it wasn't, and that's the thing is, I can look past, I can look past it because it wasn't out of anger. He yeah. literally doesn't verbally have the words to say his, where his stress was at. He was getting really anxious. He was getting, and he just, he, Evan's a total mama's boy. So for me, I, he's hurt me a lot and it, and, uh, if my kids ever hurt me out of, they're trying to be mean, they're trying to, that's different. Mm -hmm. Evan's not like that. And the second it happened, it's always emotional and right. like over. Yeah. And the second it happened, he's like mad, mad, Bonnie, mad. Like he was immediately like, Oh crap, what did I just do? You know? And he just doesn't have the words. And so, yes, I could have screamed at him. I could have spanked him. I could have done all those things, but instead, okay, why don't I give him some grace and show him some love and understand, you know, I know you're frustrated, you know, and show him his pictures and this is, you know, and can't hit mommy, you know, and that's, I don't know, that's just my reaction to it. And, and I'm not saying it's right, but, sure. um, you know. Well, and we do, you know, for the reality is for some families is that you can't really spank and discipline some kiddos, especially depending on what their level of function and ability is, because they model then that behavior. When you're mad and you spank them, then when they're mad, then they're modeling because that's how they're learning, again, through that process. So we have to do, you're absolutely right, we have to be careful with some kids because what then you're using is discipline um, in 
ends up becoming something, a tool that they're using when they're upset. And so, yeah, you do definitely have to get um, creative. And that self-restraint in terms of trying to find, you know, a way to redirect them. But you're absolutely right. Sometimes, you know, behavior is communication. And when they don't have the communication to be able to describe how they're feeling, then, yeah, stuff like that happens. And contrary to what a lot of parents have told me, you cannot actually spank the autism out of them. I, They'll you know, still I have it. This. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. That's when CPS gets involved because it never ends well. Um, so, and believe me, we've, we've had, unfortunately had to be involved in situations like that, which is really sad and frustrating. So... Um, let's talk to our token dad that we had come in here because we certainly want to get the perspective of the other side, the other, the other sex. So um, what types of issues would you, um, do you then um, experience in terms of difference of opinions with, um, with your, in your situation? Uh, I'm John Cooper, 16, um, and... I would say, and listening to the perfect moms around the table. <laughs> yes, um, I'm glad you acknowledged I think, that. I think the uh, the difference that dads, and, and you mentioned it with Jason, the difference is is that men are direct action. They're linear thinkers, and they look at try to correct something right now. They don't think about the emotional side of it, or they don't think about uh, you know the other issues around it. They, they take direct action, and that's a problem. That that's definitely a problem. As a man, I can tell you that's a problem. That's one of the issues that men and women have in communication all the time. So I would say that you guys need to give them a little bit of consideration understanding that. So put yourself in that perspective. Have a conversation thinking about that. Conversely, the men need to do the same thing and realize that, you know what, there's an emotional component to this that you guys need, that, you know, you need to address. So in listening to that, I think that sometimes you can do that, and I think that it sounds like you guys have good communication with your, with your partners and your mates, and that's a good thing. And when you don't and it breaks down, then that's a problem. And then it becomes uh, a point-counterpoint situation, which can get ugly and can obviously end a relationship. And I think that um, it's funny you mentioned spank the autism out of you know kids. And my dad was, you know, he believed that, right? But now, having been around Cooper, he recognizes the fact that that's not going to work. So you have to get creative with Cooper because you can't, reason with him. And I understand why Jason does that. I understand why he talks to your son, because it's one of the things that fathers and males need to try to do to justify in their own mind. So I'm a first responder, and I'll tell you right now that we perform CPR on people that we know are not going to make it. And that's not because we think they're going to make it. It's because the family that's observing this, they need that. They, they need, need to, to know that. that we've, yeah, that we've attempted all we can do so that they can have some closure. And in a male's mind, that's kind of this closure thing. So that's why he does it. So really, it's healthy for him to do that, just like it's healthy for me to talk to Cooper, who probably grabs about every fifth word or sixth, and uh, depending on the situation, you know, he may give it back to me. But you know, that's the thing. I think that that coming from my perspective, um, it's never a everybody's right, everybody's wrong. It's always somewhere in the middle. But I will say that I think that. Women inherently have a, do a better job of disciplining their children on the spectrum than men do. So out of curiosity then, now, are there any issues that you and Cooper's mom have disagreed with in terms of parenting? Well, a lot of it is, is you know, discerning what's a bad behavior versus what is autism. You know, what's the autism behavior? And, and that sometimes itself is an issue. 
Sure. Sometimes, you know, knowing Cooper as well as I do and as well as you do, sometimes he's just being an obstinate little knucklehead. And that's the way it is. Because it is a real deal. It is. Because yeah. they're just sometimes they're just being children. Our typical kids yep. do this, right? Oh, so yes. and it, these 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 kiddos are no different, of course. But uh, there's a you know conflict right there. So you start already start down the wrong path and it gets uglier and uglier. And so uh, oftentimes, um, you know, I don't pretend to have all the answers, but I do try to seek some advice in trying to cr make corrective actions in some, some ways. So are you saying that over the years you have taken some of the feedback of Cooper's mom in order to, like, be able to um, maybe learn what strategies work better than others? Or are you, are you the perfect dad? <laughs> I, I would say that... He's like, um... <laughs> no, it, it's not... I mean, I'm not perfect, and I'll, and I'll be the first to admit that, of course. But I think that th she has some points, absolutely. There's times when she's absolutely right, and I've been absolutely wrong. I absolutely will acknowledge that. I will say that I think as time has gone on, I've gotten better, and I've been better at being more understanding of that perspective, the mom's perspective, than I ever was before. And maybe it's because I'm getting old and tired, but I think that that's part of it. You're getting beat down. Yeah, well, you know, it's a thing. And, and I, you know, Bonnie just got bitch slapped by her, by her boy. <laughs> you know, and sometimes that stuff, it adds up. <sighs> sometimes, and I know yes. that, you know, and it's a good thing that you recognize when he did that. It wasn't out of spite or meanness or something else. It wasn't just trying to hurt you. It was more of a reaction and a frustration. And that's knowing your child. Someone from the outside may see that and say, hey, this kid's mean. Right. He, he whacked her, and that's right. you know important to understand the difference. And I think that each one of us that knows our children and knows, you know, what that looks like can discern the difference between the two. So I guess that uh, to answer your question, yes, there's times when she was right. I think that there's times now that I'm more right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> okay, but, <laughs> we'll take that. Well, and the thing of it is too is you know uh, I don't see her discipline him anymore. And I don't, honestly don't believe that there is any discipline, to be quite honest with you. I think more of it's, it's more of a pacification situation. Yeah. If it's not causing her grief, then she's fine with it. So, you know, that's the thing. When you start pushing the envelope with these kiddos, that's where the corrective action has to come in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you start exposing them to new things and et cetera, et cetera. Well, and I yeah. think, too, you know, in some instances, um, and I'm not speaking just to yours, but you know, you get to a point where your kid gets to a certain age and you're programmed to believe by what medical standards are. Well, this is just going to be my child, and so I'm just going to have to learn to live with it. And so you do probably just, well, I can't change this about this child because they're, you know, over the age of this age, you know, whatever that case may be. And so it's, you probably, maybe you do become a little bit more passive in terms of what you, you would normally have done to discipline and correct because again i think the medical industry when it comes to autism you know has you believing and there is truth to be said a child makes the most progress between 0 to 3 because their brain is still very placid um, and then you still see you know nice um, improvement between the age of 3 and 5 and then that's when medical industry tells you that you know after five things start slowing down because the brain is not as placid and it's a lot harder to shape and mold and then of course too it's coupled with puberty once you're past puberty then you know like you know you start seeing families stop doing therapies well the reality of it is is that it's unfortunate because i think there's still a lot of improvement to be made um you know science tells us that a man's brain no offense picking on you john 
isn't for fully formed until the age of, uh, what, 25? So it stands to reason that we could still be making a lot of progress um, through um, 25. But yet, and so I think that, you know, parents, again, you know, you're, sub you're subjected to a lot of just information and you start feeling like at a certain point, well, you know, this just is what it is. And so, and of course, I don't believe yeah. that, um, but... Say something oh, I was just gonna say, if anybody's listening, do not don't give up that. on your child. Yeah, don't believe my Evan, especially if you want to say the three to five year old range was the worst Evan I've ever had. Like awful, awful, awful. And I had plenty of doctors telling us when he even first got autism, he was going to be in a vegetative state forever. He he would just uh, lay on the ground and rock. He wouldn't walk anymore. He wouldn't barely eat he wouldn't I mean it was very severe and um he's made the most progress probably in the last four years that he has the whole time and yes we do a lot of services still but um I've had people say oh, I don't feel right taking your money anymore because he's just never just give him the best life he can have he's just never um, you know, and so we do give him the best life he can have. But that being said, we do in-home ABA four days a week and they become like our family. We take them everywhere. Um, so he just thinks of it as one of his friends and his friend just happens to be teaching him things, you know. And um, so just don't don't give up on your kid because Evan, I mean, he made himself a hot pocket the other day. Woo! He knew how to use the microwave. I was like, these are, you know, we're focusing on living skills for him. And these are things that are like, oh, my gosh, he just made himself something, you know. And so, you know, they can still, like you said, that brain is still trying to work and just don't give up on it. Yeah. Like I said, don't believe in everything that you read on Facebook because it's right. frustrating when you mm -hmm. see that. So so let's um, shift a little bit. Um, now, I can say, because I'm a divorced person, um, that when you are parenting, co-parenting a child, when you're talking about divorce, it gets a little bit more complicated. And John, I know you were divorced. Um, although I have to say, by and large, I don't, man, I actually feel like things have gotten easier in some aspects. Things have gotten easier in terms of um, parenting now that um, I'm divorced from my children's dad because again, I think it's because I'm not there right. doing exactly what you were doing, Bonnie, where it's like, oh, you're seeing this whole <laughs> right. thing playing out and you're just like, oh my God, like I have mm -hmm. to intervene because otherwise it's going to be worse. And so um, I feel like actually um, on some of these topics when we're talking about discipline or even therapy interventions um, has actually improved a little bit because we are divorced. And so, again, it, maybe it's because you're not living under the same roof, so you're forced to have to communicate in a different way um, because you have to come up with, a, you know, an, an agreement. And then when you're under the same roof, you know, I think it's really easy to just be like, oh, I just don't even feel like talking about it today, so we're just going to, um, you know, I'm going to do what I think, and then, you know, he can just be mad later when, you know, the medical bills start rolling in. Because, you know, we did disagree at times in terms of therapy interventions for Caleb in particularly. Um, but I do feel actually, and maybe, John, you have a difference um, in, in your situation, but I feel like in some instances the communication has been better because you were, you're forced to. You don't have any other option but to communicate. Um, and then there are times, too, where he'll have done what he thought was appropriate in terms of disciplining, 
and it was not good. And then I'll get the messages or a phone call saying, okay, so here's just what happened. You know, I don't even know what to do. Like, here's what my, what I think needs to happen, but I figured I better call and check because, you know, and so then that gives us more of an opportunity to be able to talk about it. Um, now, I'm not saying, you know, he can get mad at me if I, you know, if he doesn't like what I have to say and he's, you know, he can choose to hang up. But again, it forces you into having to talk a little bit more about it. And again, I think it's just because I wasn't inserting myself. I can't insert myself anymore because he's at your house and when, you know, the shit hits the fan, you know, he has to deal with some of those things. So he's more open to listening to the, like, what do you think? Like, um, I don't know how you want to handle this. Uh, so I do appreciate that. The, where we struggle now, which is a lot more complicated, is when we disagree. Like, you know, for instance, um, my um, ex is not on board for CBD, um, you know, utilizing some CBD options to help Caleb in his anxiety because he feels like it's a gateway. Um, and that we need to be teaching him how to deal with his anxiety as opposed to, or keep him on his pharmaceuticals um, to manage his anxiety as opposed to the option of CBD. And even for my other, my oldest teen who's in high school, who's neurotypical, he's vehemently against it, especially for my neurotypical teen who struggles with anxiety. Um, and so, and that's really a problem because then, um, you know, when you're talking about CBD in particular, for that particular one, I can't even go to mediation about that and probably have a leg to stand on because it's very controversial and my children are minors. And so I just have to, um, I just have to let it go, which is frustrating for me because I just feel like, um, you know, like that could be an option. The other thing too is, is that, um, you know, I am the mom, so I parent from emotion, and so there are some options and some different things I want for my kids, especially Caleb, therapy intervention-wise, and it costs money. It may not be covered by insurance, or we have really high deductible, and of course the arrangement is, is he has to pay a certain percentage, and I pay a certain percentage, and so I've just come to the point where um, if I really want to have it happen, it's not that he doesn't want that treatment option, it's that he doesn't necessarily want to agree to the medical expense associated with it, and so that's where um, you know, in my mind, I just, rather than going to mediation or fighting it out, I just decide that if it's really important to me, then I'm just going to pay for it myself. And so, um, you know, that's just really the better way of compromising. Now, with that being said, if all of a sudden we start seeing a noticeable improvement um, with Caleb and some of his abilities right now, we're really super focused on executive function. If he starts noticing an improvement, then I circle back to the, well, here's what we're doing, you know, like sit in on a session, um, you know, make notes, um, you know, here's what it's supposed to target, and then make that ask of, you know, it'd be really nice if maybe you could you know, help with some of the costs. If you're noticing an improvement, then can you kick in some of the money for it? And so then when you can see something that's tangible, it's a lot easier to make that request and then have that emotional buy-in. Um, so, but again, uh, by and large, I actually feel like it's more positive, um, you know, working with my ex in terms of, you know, parenting and then making choices. Um, but John, I don't know what your experience is, if it's similar or different. Well, I think, uh, number one, the, the huge difference is is that Caleb's high-functioning, right? It is true, Cooper's yes. not. And, mm -hmm. and the things that Cooper gets into and does are much less complex, right? I mean, the issues that he, he has with misbehaving are generally something, you know, pretty simple. Grabbing food off somebody's plate, you know, or something like that. And, and, and part of it, really, his mom and I don't communicate that well. Um, and... 
part of that's you know um, the emotion of the the whole situation with the you know the relationship ending and et cetera et cetera. But really, the typical kids are the ones that we should talk more about because, like I said, Cooper is more of a direct action situation with him. He's low functioning. You know, he's not out scheming and and doing things and playing parents against each other. The typical kids, now on the other hand. I feel like sometimes there's times when they are doing that. Oh, Lord, have mercy, yes. And I can't... i got to watch the two neurotypical <coughs> teens the most. Those are the most Well, they're devious. smart, and they, they, they know oh, how to manipulate man. situations. Oh, there's they no know how to work it. the systems. But that's one of the things that I think over time it's gotten better. I think that we do talk more about, uh, you know, discipline, which is a good thing. That's a healthy thing. And I think the co-parenting is going better, but at times it gets frustrating. And, you know, and I've said some things out of anger that probably weren't necessarily the right thing to say but you know uh, that's part of being human too but I would say that um, you know it's it's moving getting better communication is getting better but like I said with Cooper it's really kind of a he doesn't do he does things like tears things up right I mean he finds something and he tears it to pieces because he likes to tear stuff up. I think he likes the sound of it. Yeah. <laughs> I think he does, and I think it's part of the tactile nature of it, right? I mean, and so that's a hard thing. You know, you got to catch him at it first because he'll do it, and then you'll never even know. Oh, because he's great about throwing it away. Yeah, he threw away his sister's violin, for example. And <laughs> oh, so geez. we didn't even know except we went to go back t to find him when she went back to school for her class, and it's gone. So it's like, oh, God, you know, so now this this happened, and... I you think know, that's clear communication. Not <laughs> on board with the violin. Well, apparently he didn't think she played it very well. So <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, yeah, there's a breakdown. Uh, communication needs to be better. I recognize that fact. I have to be better, a better steward of communication. And I'm getting better at it. But, you I know. think it's hard, too, to take criticism. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Because, mm -hmm. like, that's, you know, the feedback, I guess. You know, it, yeah. you know criticism slash feedback, whatever you call it. Because you're absolutely right, you know. I would say probably my ex-husband would say that, um, you know, he he would disagree probably a lot with how I parent. Um, and I feel like actually now he's probably better at taking feedback about parenting issues or discipline than I am willing to take feedback from him because I'm a perfect parent like you, Bonnie, so I don't need anybody. Makes it hard armchair quarterbacking like this greatness right here right <laughs> because so you know if I'm being totally honest um you know I you know again I think that probably it's changed since we've been divorced because I don't think he was very open to any feedback when we were married but now because of course he has to manage some of this himself um yeah. without me present he has to get guidance and some feedback whereas I'm not really open right. to any feedback he wants to give me about how he thinks I'm parenting. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm big enough to admit that there's probably, I could be more open to some of his suggestions. And it's, I mean, like you said, it, it can be hurtful. Like I, especially, so I'm a stay at home mom. I chose to quit working after my first daughter was, she was born. I chose to keep working. And then five months after she was born, I got pregnant again. So I was like, yeah, yeah we're well, going to take a break. But anyways, um, I consider it my job. Like, I stay at home. Um, this I'm, is your wheelhouse. Right. This is your... I'm very traditional. Um, 
Sorry, not a feminist. Um, I believe that my job as a stay-at-home mom is to clean and cook and do the dishes. Buddy, and you want to be my? You want to be my wife? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm actually okay with that. Like I take pride yeah. in it and and be a mom. Yeah. So not that I don't think Jason's the dad, but I'm the main. You know, I this I do the appointments, I do everything like that. So yeah, when there is. And if that was taken away, you'd be like, whoa, hey, get back in your lane, my friend. Right. Yeah. And so when there is criticism, even if it's warranted, yeah, it's like, wait a minute, this is my thing. Yeah. Like, how you dare you criticize I don't come my, to your yeah. work and tell you how right. to do your job. Yeah, so I think I, I could definitely work on that more because I not take it as, like, an offense, but as, hey, we're trying to help the situation. We're trying to, you know, make it better. But I do get that because I'm like, whoa, this is my thing. Like, how mm-hmm. dare you say that? And, and um, that's not, you know, especially Jason, the kindest person ever. He's never coming at me in, like, a mean way. I have to look at it as he's trying to help. He's trying to make things better and um, – uh, you know, so when he does have suggestions, maybe I will start to perhaps, perhaps, Jason, there <laughs> might be a chance for you in the future. Right. Maybe, just maybe. Okay, um, one last thing um, I was going to just ask before we close: um, Does this like do some of these difference in like your um, these? Does, conflict, I hate to say conflict, because it's just sometimes a difference of opinion, difference of backgrounds in terms of how you're raised. Has this overall affect your relationship, or do you feel like it's affected even, like, um, in our house, when we were married, it was good cop, bad cop. I was, um, you know, like, usually I was always, like, the bad cop, because it's like, you know, um, and so after a while... Um, cause he wasn't going to do it right. Mm-hmm. So he just would be like, Hey, you know, whatever I do here, I'm not going to do it right. So like you go ahead and handle it. Dad's going to be the fun guy that comes home and, um, you know, that sort of thing. And so I became very resentful and that's probably, um, a little bit about the reason why, I mean, among losing a child and having a lot of those stressors and then having a child with autism. But, um, I do feel like it was, you know, our differences of opinion was, polarizing the kids it was definitely like making a difference in the kids like do you have you guys ever do you guys feel like you experience that at all I mean maybe you don't and but if you don't see that maybe you know give us an example as to why or what you do to kind of overcome or um, prevent that from happening so yeah I mean I I would say it does affect our relationship sometimes there's been times where we've you know went to bed fighting about something with the boys um what you don't have that philosophy that no one goes to bed (laughs) man please (laughs) um you know and I'm like well cool whatever I'll just stay down on the couch you know what I mean but I think overall I think I just and I I'm obviously speaking for Jason here but I think we realize in ourselves like how much we're in this together we don't have um we don't have outside family helping us outside family for anything like we're what we have. And so in some ways that's great, but in some ways, you know, you tear each other apart a bit. And so you have to come back together and realize that, you know, we love each other. This is not okay. We have to be, you know, even if we're not on the same page and we're not a lot of the times, um, on the same page with stuff. Um, I am lucky that he does for the most part, let me do my thing with the kids because he knows that I have more time for it I, I've researched I've done all this stuff because this is you know like I said I'm a stay-at-home mom so he does kind of let it go a bit but um yeah I I would say that stuff affects the relationship and then also the lack of um time we get to spend together um 
because um, especially, you know, Evan, it, it does take so much time. And Evan has decided um, recently he wants to sleep in our bed every night. Yeah. And the thing is, um, I, you know, my son didn't want me touching him for the first, God, six years of his life and didn't want me hugging him or kissing him. And that's a heartbreak for a mom couldn't say my name, couldn't say nothing. And it's like all of a sudden my son wants to sleep in my bed. I'm taking it, you yeah. know, because it's so great. Now, granted, he is almost 11. And, uh, you know, sometimes Jason's like, oh, can he like, <laughs> sleep in a different spot? But I'm just taking it for now. And, um, you know, so there's little things like that that, you know, cause little Bonnie, issues. That means and that you're sleeping in the middle and Evan sleeps <laughs> on the outside. Come on. You Look, can at Evan, rule, we always joke, Evan rules our house. Evan will sleep wherever he wants. No. <laughs> We're just leaving in Evan's world. And we (laughs) talked about in a different episode, we were talking about sleep issues that, hey, you know what? Like, it's just a better thing if Evan gets some sleep. So we pretty much everything revolves around (laughs) when and where Evan falls asleep. And that's fine because that's what makes then it more pleasant for everybody else in the family. (laughs) So let's be real. What about you, Tanya? Um, I would say it definitely has affected our relationships. And this is one of the things with us is one of the big differences between, like, women and men is, like, my husband might be like more quick to get upset over things, but he's also a lot quicker to let it go. That's oh, so God. true. <laughs> yes. yes, it's morning. So right. It didn't happen. And yeah, what? well, and I'll yes. still be like stewing over something, yes. and he will have completely moved on and forgot about it. Gosh. And then he won't know what what's know. wrong with me. And he won't I have notice. to tell you, I wish I was more like guys in that <laughs> right. respect. I wish I was too. Oh, I man. wish I could let it go too. Yeah, he just lets things go, and I'm like. And he's not even um, upset. No, and he's not even aware. He doesn't like, have to have resolution. Nope. See, gosh, he's man. moved on, and he doesn't understand. And so then I'm like, I'm like, I'm still upset, and he's like, you are. He doesn't even notice that I'm still upset. Like, yeah. And he's just, he's moved on. Like, Jason gosh. always says, it's a, it's a new day. Aren't we fine? No, it is definitely a new day, but I'm still pissed. Man, well, I see, know. my husband's even within ten minutes. He's like. Oh, yeah, oh. he let, like mm. lets things go that fast. I'm like, man, that's good for I him. Do that. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I could see why that. You know, from a dating perspective, it's like, hey, this guy's a keeper. He gets over things really fast. But, yeah, <laughs> I was like, when you're still quick to anger, but then quick to get over it. I'm like, yeah. So what do you do in that? Like with that? Well, I or do you become like what we call Kelly in our family. We call her the archaeologist because she'll go digging for the past. Like, like it'll be years. It's like, oh, here's Kelly, the archaeologist. She's going to go dig through the past because like we still have to talk about it. So, yeah, see, I like to talk things out yeah. and he's like already p- passed it and moved on. Yeah. Does it, is he pretty tolerant of it? Like, oh, OK, I guess we're going to go back and talk about that. So we're gonna- yeah, he'll let me. Yeah. But sometimes the. One thing he will sometimes do is he won't tell me his opinion oh. on things. And so, he, like, so, like, when, because I know we talked about it before we started the podcast. Yeah. That about when Logan was first diagnosed with autism. So let's talk about that. Just yeah. so for people have the background. Yeah. When Logan was first diagnosed with autism, apparently my husband did not agree with it, but he did not tell me. Really? Oh, wow. oh, How did, did it come up that you found out that he didn't agree with it? It was several months later at swim lessons. Okay. And Logan was not following directions, not listening. And my husband was like, we're paying all this money for swim lessons. He's like, I don't want to pay for swim lessons anymore if he's not going to like follow directions in class. And I was like, I was like, you have to, I basically told him, I was like, he has autism. So I don't want to stop doing something because, you know, it's a challenge for him and it's harder for him. And he's like, well, I don't believe he has autism. That's how I came out was the oh, swim lessons. Okay. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. And then you're just like, whoa, wait, what? I know. And he it's didn't like, even we're tell have to me. Talk about this. <laughs> so that started a lovely argument at swim lessons. Oh, <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Okay, so now 
did he over time was it through your good discussion that healthy discussion that you guys had about why he is mm -hmm. bring him around to the fact that he is or was it just over time he was over like oh I can't deny that this yeah is a thing. over time my son because you know he was diagnosed at five and a half mm -hmm. which a lot of, I mean for higher function some higher functioning kids are diagnosed a little later and yeah. it um and my husband was like you know he's just a quirky kid with you know in my husband who is also kind of quirky he was like he's just like me he's that's quirky exactly yeah. what I hear that's what parents are saying when I hear a lot of like frustrations and they're coming to me like tell me what I'm supposed to do because I'm pretty sure my husband has autism too yes. so he thinks all these things are totally fine and I'm fine I did all those things when I was young and I'm like ooh, I'm not getting yeah. involved in that conversation yeah. yeah my husband's quirky and he'll admit it and so he's like he's just like me so he's fine and I'm and perfect yeah there's yeah. nothing wrong but as my son has gotten older his uh, the gap between him and his peers has definitely widened and he can't yeah. dispute he that. can't dispute that okay. his behavioral challenges have become more and his anxiety has tremendously increased too so yeah. it's become a lot more evident as he's gotten older so he's definitely grown into the diagnosis now sure. that he's nine and it's very obvious now that he does have autism yeah. i know when so you start reading the list it's like check check, check yes check, check. it's like so oh, i have can't like you're describing my child yeah, That's so scott can't deny it anymore yeah. But it was a lot harder for him to accept it at first. He completely just disagreed. But he didn't tell me he disagreed. Sure. Oh, that's an interesting yeah. thing. See, Jackson and Evan were diagnosed very young, and they were both very low-functioning, mm -hmm. um, you know, 23 months and 27 months. And um, we had just assumed Jackson was going to be like Evan. Like, mm -hmm. it was almost identical. And I'm like, oh, you know. But maybe because we had already been through it once, services faster, I don't know what, but he's m much more higher functioning now, but that is harder for my husband to deal with. Now, he mm -hmm. totally agrees he has autism, yeah. but because he's verbal mm -hmm. um, and can do some of those things, um, it's harder to, I think, for him to remember that that might be an autism thing that's going to be a yeah. little harder. And it's hard times sometimes yeah. for me to even be like, you know, autism versus, like, not, like, he's mm -hmm. just being a jerk right now. <laughs> See, yeah. and I always assumed... Uh, lower functioning autism was going to be a lot harder for me to deal with, oh, and I John find and it, I have had this debate. Opposite. We should talk about this, John. So yeah, like I find yeah. it opposite. Like Evan yeah. is very easy for me to get and for me mm -hmm. to understand, and he's very simple, and it's just I get. It. And Jackson sometimes I'm like, for the love kid, I what oh, what am I supposed to do here? You know, it, it's yeah. I realize it's a lot harder. Well, and that was exactly my thought is that you know being the parent of Isaac who was more significantly impacted, he never had functional language like, you know, verbal function. We were just starting to have some gestural communication um, when he passed away. Um, you know, he was never potty trained, never called me mama, different things like that. And then, um, you know, I, and then Caleb um, comes along, super high functioning. Um, and, and John Cooper has more challenges, probably more in line with, you know, like, you know, I kind of sometimes wonder if, you know, Isaac was here today, if he and Cooper would be very similar just in terms of just their skill and function. Yeah. Um, and you and I had a debate early on just in terms of, you know, like, man, like having a child that's significantly impacted is challenging, right? Because that was your... Well, I think that, and it kind of goes back to, we are talking about discipline earlier. I, th I think the complexities, uh, child low on the spectrum, they're their behavior is simple, right? It's an action, it's something like that. It's not, they don't say something mean to their daughter or their sister or their mom or their dad usually, you know, uh, at least with mm -hmm. Cooper. So, But you have uh, to do everything for that child. You do. But and you can't leave them unattended. That's true. That's true yeah. But the thing, the difference is, is that in dealing with Caleb, as much as I have, I will tell you that 
you got to put your thinking cap on because that kid's smart, and you have to explain to him. Everything so you, has to be explained. Everything. Is, is he's he's going to do the research, and he will tell you if you're wrong. I mean, he, he knows. Go ahead. He knows. You know, once you head him down a path, he's going he's gonna to understand what you're talking about as long as you're on the right path. Now, if you're on the wrong path, I think sometimes – you know, it may throw him off a little bit. That's when, yeah. he, when, when he gets that connection and understands. Um, but we've debated this before because, you know, you have yeah. to explain everything in a way that he can understand. And sometimes, like you're saying, wow, man, I just can't think fast enough to try and figure out a way yeah. to be able to explain to him society things and expectation, you know, well, why, you know, like there's certain things he doesn't want to do um, or certain skills he can't break apart to figure out it's that executive function. How do I break apart? Um, you know, I can't tell him to go in his room and clean it. He's very high functioning, but I can't tell him to go into his room and clean it because he doesn't break apart the skills um, to be able to put that into a task. I mean, I have to explain to him just, you know, he is different from his, um, you know, his classmates. And we have to have language to help him understand his differences from, you know, his peers in a way that's positive. Right. It's not, you know, like shaming language. And even just when I get so frustrated with him because he can't just figure out the steps needed to take the recycling out, um, it gets so frustrating to not be like, you know what, you just, you know, you need to try harder. Like, I, you know, you should be able to do these things. And it's like the language shaming sort of piece. And so, you know, John has said, he's like, oh my gosh, like, it's just, you can't, you want to get mad at him and just be like, come on, like, you know, you, I know you can do this. Well, no, actually, he really can't. He needs you to say, okay, first things first, go get your shoes on because you're going to have to go outside, okay? Second step, go into the kitchen, pull the bag out, okay? Then use your eyeballs to look around to see if there's anything else on the counter that's empty and is a recyclable. This is literally describing my how I have to break right? things down for my child, too. Yes, yeah. but see, and that's just where, you know, like, and John said, oh, man. And, and it's, and again, you can interpret that to be like, you know what, Caleb, you're just being lazy. You're just, you know, like, you know, and that's where it's like, really, it's not a product of that. It's that literally I have to be that specific, um, yeah. And when we've talked about this too, like things you have to be specific down. He says, oh man, um, John says, oh man, you know, I blew that one because I wasn't specific enough. Like I didn't think I had to dial it down to such little detail for him to understand it. And that's where, again, you know, we've had this, he says, you know, I can understand why some people have said that having a higher functioning child is actually more challenging because you have to put your thinking cap on. Well, with the yeah. lower functioning child, you know, you're doing things, right? I mean, they, they don't, like you said, that Evan made a hot pocket the other day. Fantastic. You know, Cooper, I have to make him stuff to eat. Now, he will grab stuff out of the refrigerator and eat it cold. Oh, yeah. Frozen yeah. pizza. Real deal. Yeah. Like, my I mean, other I, teenagers are like, oh, God, we got a problem. We got to get mom. He ate a frozen pizza raw. And I was like, you know, Caleb, on the other hand, he feeds himself. Yeah. Right. And the difference is, is that the issue with Caleb is, Caleb, you need to pick your bowl up when you're done. But you also had to teach him about, like, you know, there was issues with him burning toast. And then he he executed the fire safety escape plan. You know what I mean? Uh, and then it was like, oh, hey, buddy, that was just toast. You know what I mean? So that's a whole different set right. of, like, what we're going to do. But Well, and I think if you, like, say you get a babysitter, okay? Yeah. And, you know, my list is going to be a lot shorter for Evan. It's yes. going to be eyes on at all times. You might have to change him because he's not potty trained. Um, the list is going to be short. And then how do you make a list for, like you said, like a Caleb or a Jackson? Yes. Okay. If this happens, yes. X, Y, Z. But if this, ha I mean, there's just almost not even a list you can make, and you're just hoping, please don't have a meltdown when I'm gone. Please, don't, you know, because it's like, how do you even explain 
those type of things to somebody where Evan, it's easier. It's just, it's more work, like yes. you said. And does somebody want to change him if he poops his bulb, you know? But it's easier to explain. Yes. A, B, C, D, you know? And, yeah. and Jackson, his mind is Here's just your like five that. variables like, with Evan. Yeah. Here's the, you know, 5,212 variables with Caleb. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if so. Lily says this to him, then this is going to happen. And yeah. you're going to have to go. It's just like, it's yeah. almost like it's not even worth going anywhere. Yeah. Like no, I'm on. telling you too. But that's the thing is, is that I will say, you know, some elements are so, you know, exhausting. And there are just some days where it's like, I don't have the mental capacity to try and even break this skill down or this explanation down further for him to be able to then get the, oh, I understand now. So then mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, it is really frustrating. But, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, your dad, John, um, you know, he has been taking care of Cooper for a long time and they're fantastic together. It gives your dad something to do. Your dad loves to be outside. Cooper loves to be outside. So they're like a great little pair. But then it's like, you know, um, you know, your dad has offered to take Caleb out like um, metal detecting, prospecting, you know, with the metal detector because Caleb loves that sort of thing. So does John's dad. And I'm just kind of like, ooh, uh, uh, right? He, I don't know, because like, uh, you know, like, uh, and he's like, oh, well, you know, he, you know, he, he loves hanging out with Cooper. It's like, yeah, but Cooper is just, again, you know, um, more simple in some respects. You know, how does he realize how specific he's going to have to be when he's trying to teach Caleb how to go out and use this metal detector? Um, so that will be, we haven't done it yet. Cause like I said, literally I'm having like anxiety and yet I know that they would both enjoy it. Cause again, your dad loves to go out and, you know, do yeah. this for hours. And it's like, Caleb, he's the perfect person to go out and like go metal detecting, looking for treasures. But it's yeah. like, you know, when you think about all the different skills you have to dial down, it's kind of like, it's going to, we should almost record it. I feel like we should almost record this whole thing to see how well they do, but it's possible. Well, I, I will tell you that. Early on, my early dad, you know, <laughs> probably wouldn't have been a good thing. But yeah. I'll tell you right now, now I think yeah. his exposure to Cooper and his, uh, I don't know, his understanding and his tolerance is much greater now. He takes much more great, he takes patience. Oh, yeah. He's got great patience. With and he, But he also pushes him to do things that I never actually would have thought because... Yeah. Um, there are just some things he'll take, um, you know, Cooper to do. And I'm just kind of like, oh, my gosh. And it ends up being this amazing experience. Yeah. But it's like, oh, well, I guess, well, all right. I guess it makes you redefine, you know, your set of expectations for Cooper. But um, but now let's use your dad for an one more last um, point, And then we'll wrap up. When we were talking earlier about the fact that you never, you know, don't give up on your child and think that because you're past the age of six or right. puberty that you can't make improvements. Because, John, you just pointed out that your father has made a lot of improvements at, what, 73 throughout his whole life. I mean, he's totally different as um, a human being now than, of course, when he was raising you, Kai, when you... Your, you and your siblings, right? Well, what's unfortunate is wisdom is wasted on the old. Yeah. I mean, you have to live to have wisdom, and that's, you know, one of the yeah. things that he, I think that we all look back and see, you know what, I, I really screwed the pooch on this or that or the other thing, and you learn from it. Sure. And you move on, and you're better for it, and, and he's no different than anybody else. I know, but why then, if we can see that in human beings, every human being, right. why do we get, like, polluted with that concept that our kids are somehow going to reach their, like, potential at 20 or... 12 or well, science know, 25. Has told us that. They've, they've yeah. said for a long time prior so that if a kid doesn't learn to talk by the time they're eight, they're never going to talk. Yeah. Which we know is not true. Yeah. By the way. It's not true. Yeah. Well, that's our timer, I guess, that we're going to wrap this up. Does anybody have any parting thoughts that they want to throw out there? Other than keep plugging on. Like, you know, marriage is, it's, 
it's kind of what they say. It's you know, it's not a sprint; it's a marathon sort of a thing. And <laughs> well, so and I think so. A parting thought I think is is with with perfect moms in the room. Yes, there's Thank only you room for, for one perfect us. person in a relationship. So somebody has to be the bad guy. Has to be the head. That's guy. Not sorry, Jason. Really oh, sorry. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I thought we were going with that. No, I, like I said, even this perfect mom could admit that you know I could probably be better about taking feedback from <laughs> you know my children's father so like i said it's recorded we're not going to tell Reed that this recording exists but <laughs> you know i did document it so anyway with that we're going to end today's episode of isaac's autism in the wild and that's it for now if you want to be notified of our next podcast release be sure to hit subscribe and just remember we're all in this together so find your tribe and hold them tight